Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're on the clock with Tyler Jennings and Jared Perkins. A Prospects Live podcast for everything MLB draft related. Join us as we discuss the biggest stories from college and high school baseball. Bring you interviews from your favorite draft prospects and break down live looks for Prospects Live analysis across the nation. Get ready, because you're on a clock with Tyler Jennings and Jared Perkins. All righty, we are back with another episode of On the Clock by Prospects Live. I'm Jared Perkins, that's Tyler Jennings, and we have college baseball in the works. I am Games so are happy. going. <laughs> we are so amped. Uh, we got week one, first weekend series is over. Uh, Tyler, how are you feeling after the first weekend? Uh pretty pretty excited um it was nice getting back to the field even though like everything went from you know we had 31 walks on friday night um to it was 31 degrees on sunday morning when i got to the ballpark so had everything you would expect from an opening weekend um but I, i'm extremely excited to actually have baseball back in my life and i just had so much fun with it honestly yeah. I feel that I was on vacation, but I was still watching games. I'm now back from vacation. I have my non-alcoholic beer. It's very good. Also, no free ads, but one of the best non-alcoholic beers I'll ever have. Athletic Brewing, sponsor us. Mm -hmm. Athletic Brewing, if you're looking for a podcast you'd like to sponsor, um, how's it going? We're on the clock. (laughs) Let me get my Um, Athletic Brewing company beer then. Hang on. Give me a sec. (laughs) We... Are in Monday when we're recording this podcast right now. We have some breaking news that happened today. Um, JJ Weatherholt, West Virginia, shortstop, pulled from the game with an injury. Not what you want to see for what's basically the consensus number one overall MLB draft prospect. Um, I think Kendall Rogers tweeted out that he's day to day with a hamstring injury. Unsure when he's going to come back. Don't know if it's really precautionary or if it's something more serious. Um, what are your thoughts on that? It sucks. Um, yep. You know, we, yeah. we, we've talked about it in the past. Uh, JJ did have a hamstring injury that he dealt with last year when he was at Team USA. Uh, didn't really run. And honestly, we didn't think he would make the team because of the fact that he couldn't run out of the box. But uh, they tried him out a bit at second base, pulled him early, you know, did the whole spiel with him. Um, I don't know if this is the same hamstring that he injured over the summer. Um, if it is, it's not necessarily a good thing because if it's a chronic issue, that's uh, not great on the medical report, but um, could be day to day, could be week to week. We'll see what happens, but obviously a big blow early in the season uh, with a guy that, like you mentioned, you know, that's a consensus one, one guy, at least for us at this point, 
Um, I know some other guys have Kurtz one or Pizano yeah. one. Um, I think at this point it's one of those three that's one one, but not having Weatherholt for at least a somewhat extended period of time is definitely going to be a big blow for West Virginia and just really college baseball in general because this is a guy with some of the best bat the ball in the country, uh, one of the best players to really play in the game right now. Essentially, it's it's a very tough blow. Yeah, it's always hard to see those kind of injuries. I, the one question that I think probably comes to a lot of people's minds is how. If he misses a significant period of time, how much will that hurt his draft stock? Ooh, it really depends. Yeah. Um, like I said, if this is a chronic issue with the hamstring, um, that more than likely does kind of hurt the value a little bit. Um, so I remember, well, for example, we had a kid last year who had um, a, a quite a big history of uh, injuries, um, and that does come up and it does scare teams off a little bit um i can recall a few teams left them off the board completely i'm not going to say who it is um but that kind of stuff does get taken into consideration if this mm-hmm. is the same hamstring and it's a chronic issue this is um definitely a negative on his profile but if it's just something that's uh you know small and it's it's just a small little tweak then i think as long as he doesn't miss like a month, I think he should be fine. Um, but also at the same time, Langford missed a, a couple weeks, maybe a month last year with uh, yeah. one of the more painful injuries I have heard of in my life. And he still got taken fourth overall. So like, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, but it's really just all down to how many, how much time he misses and the, the aforementioned, which hamstring is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an unfortunate blow to West Virginia, and they also didn't probably start the season the way they wanted to. Went 2-2 two and two against Stetson, um, split a doubleheader today. I think after they lost the game after uh, Weatherholt got injured, um, they all they lost some close games. And so just not having that bat in the lineup, I think, is going to hurt the offensive production. Um, but speaking of offensive production, there was one team this weekend that had a time of their lives. So I put this down as the Duke mother effing Blue Devils. They just absolutely went off in the tournament that they were playing and beat a really tough Indiana team. They smashed all over George Mason 23 to five and then beat number 18 Coastal Carolina as well. Just you have to be happy if you're Chris Pollard coming out of that weekend series. Not to mention 11 home runs in that game against George Mason. <laughs> 11. I think AJ Gracia. This this was his second career collegiate game. He had three three run home runs. Jeez. Um, yeah. Speaking of George Mason too, like that that's a brutal start to the season. I think they have like a probably like a negative sixty run differential now. Yeah. Um, because they didn't have good times against Indiana or Coastal. Um, speaking of that Duke team, uh, considering we're recording this on the Monday night. Uh, anybody want to tell me why Duke isn't in the top ten? On they didn't even list? get bumped up. No, I was like the new rankings. I I know D one. This isn't a shot at D one, by the way. I, I love the guys there. Um, but if you're gonna put Indiana into the top twenty five, and may, I think Coastal may have been out too, but I know they're ranked in there now. Why not put Duke above like Clemson at least at like nine? Yeah, at least, that's just me. Like thinking out loud i thought d1 um, had coastal at number 18 when i looked they may have i think somebody had them 25 i can't remember who it was okay but I, I i instantly saw the duke staying at 12 and i was like really they just they just crushed two really really good teams 
and then George Mason. Um, where where's the bump up? You know, yeah. you think um, they get to at least ten, like go up two spots? They were twelve, I think, right before the weekend started. Yeah, and like I said, it's not a shot at the D one guys or or any of the guys who do the list here. I I'm just a, a draft guy. What like yeah. what do I know? But uh, it was just curious to me that I saw Duke not move up, but then Indiana is now in the top twenty five. Yeah. Yeah, you would imagine that they would have to go up a little bit. But um, the one guy that really stuck out to me, Jonathan Santucci, absolutely disgusting against Indiana. Uh, went five innings, four hits, two walks, seven Ks. Um, just what you want to see for his debut in the season. I think he was sitting mid-90s with the fastball. He was really had good command of his secondary. So it was just a fun, fun game to watch. Yeah, and like the start of that game, I think he kind of struggled to find his own a little bit. I think the mm-hmm. first inning was pretty lengthy, um, but really he settled down right after that and looked yeah. really, really good. Um, you mentioned Hale Davila the whole time. Uh, if we get Santucci like this the whole year, first rounder. Yeah, definitely. Um, we did have some upsets this weekend. The biggest one was um, Florida losing to St. John's. Um, they lost one game. Unfortunately, the next two games were rained out. I saw some questions going around like, okay, what does that mean for Florida? Do they drop? Because they didn't even get to play their second two games due to weather. Um, But they ended up losing to a St. John's team that they probably shouldn't have lost to. Um, What are your thoughts on that? It's not a good way to really start your season. But, you know, you mentioned it's one game compared to say you're getting swept by St. John's. If you're swept by St. John's, as the number two team in the country, okay, you're going to drop down to at least 15 or maybe even lower than that. Um, considering we weren't able to see the remaining two games, uh, there's still a lot in the air to how this Florida team is. So it's really tough to drop them from where they are. Because, uh, like I said, it's just one game. But still like a really, really big upset on their part. And yeah, who knows? Not- like we didn't even see Cags throw. Uh, I think what Cade Fisher started for uh, Friday night, and then mm-hmm. Cags was supposed to go Sunday. Um, so yeah, we kind of it really stinks because Mother Nature is obviously undefeated. Yeah, nothing you can <laughs> do about that. that. Yeah, um, but I gotta give a shout out to the St. John's bullpen in that game. They had T.J. Wynn Jr., Ben Adams, Sam Meterrett. Uh, all combined four innings, no runs, just kept Florida off the board and. Uh, help them seal the victory so uh props to those guys awesome win for st john's they they're probably happy they didn't play those last two games going got to go home so good win for them to start the season absolutely no i'd be i'd be giddy getting yeah, on that team 100%. playing heading home like oh we only have to play one game cool easy <laughs> yeah speaking of upsets i have to mention this because i saw the awful tweet that james madison university tweeted out after they beat arkansas but then lost three of four um to arkansas they tweeted out what was it the bacon and eggs like something for breakfast because razorback pigs and i'm like come on man that's like you have you can't do that after just one win you had one more game to play after that you're just gonna give them fuel for the fire i i I think that was james madison's either highest ranked win in school history or like the first top five win in school history or something so like i get it no i'm like I'm not trying to say they were in the right for doing that. I think you like you have to have fun with your social media guys. And yeah. I, I'm very much pro fun. Um, <laughs> I'm pro so fun too, but I, I, I struggle. Like if that was a win, like in basketball, it's different, right? When you have one game and you beat 
uh, ranked team and you're not a ranked team, but you got to play a four game series against Arkansas. <laughs> Just, I, here, here's my take on it. Let them have fun. It's yeah. a win that they, it's the highest win in school history. Mm-hmm. Like celebrate it. And then you get your ass kicked the next day. Like, you know, that's just how baseball is. Yeah. Um, I mean, good for them. That's a big morale booster, but uh, pretty fun to see Arkansas kind of just dominate that whole weekend. Even with Hagen Smith only going one inning on Friday, that was that was a bit of a shocker for me. Yeah. How good of a preseason he's had. There wasn't a, there was some pretty rough starts for some aces uh, this weekend. I know Campbell struggled. UC Santa Barbara's ace struggled. Um, it wasn't pretty. That that was just uh, a rough game to watch. Um, for the record, the NCAA combined walks record for a game is 34. We had 31 in Bowie's Creek on Friday night. Um, it, it was pretty rough to watch. I think Auger... Matt Auger had four walks. Uh, Derek Vartanian had three, and he didn't last more than three innings. Um, Auger only went four, and then the bullpens kind of just really melted down from there. Um, but being at that series, it, I don't want to say it was a result of a very tight strike zone. Um, admittedly, it was smaller than you'd expect, but um, there is just really not good pitching at yeah. all that Friday game. And it and it kind of continued into the rest of the weekend. UCSB's bullpen really struggled and their starters didn't really last more than four and two thirds. Um, I think Bremner was the longest start that they had all weekend. Uh, Mike Gutierrez looked really, really good for three innings. And then in the fourth, just imploded. Yeah. Um, Hudson Barrett came out of the bullpen to protect the lead. He walked five guys. He walked three straight to open the eighth. Um, it, it just, you expect more from a, a team that is, praise for having this kind of arm talent yeah um and you can see why they have this kind of like bremner we'll talk about it here in a bit that's a first rounder next year for me yeah um auger is a top three rounder for me this year uh gutierrez as, as much as he's a guy that's like upper 80s throws 80 poo uh really really good change up you know that 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 was a Bugs Bunny changeup. I think somebody even threw out the idea of like a Scooby Doo changeup in the press <laughs> box. Um, but like it, it's definitely bouncing back from that twenty eight win or that twenty eighth loss to UCSB for Campbell was a really big motivation. Uh, UCSB losing Aaron Parker after a slide to home plate in the I think the fifth or seventh inning of uh, game one didn't help them at all. Because he was a really, really big part of that offense on Friday night, and losing him to it, I think it was a knee injury, um, really did not help the cause for that offense. Even though Xander Darby had three home runs on the weekend, yeah, yeah I mean that was impressive too. Because like you think about it, as a team, you lose that first game, and you don't just lose it; you lose it twenty to eight, like you mentioned. And coming back from that and trying to try to pull off two wins to get the series victory—that's huge for Campbell. Beating a ranked team and doing that as well is even more awesome. They, they got a lot of momentum now going into the next series. Yeah, and, th- and this is a Campbell team that had so much turnover from last year, too. They yeah. really got decimated by the draft. They had a lot of Juco transfers come in. Um, but, like, Zach Sabres did really well over six innings on Saturday. Uh, Cooper Clark, true freshman, by the way. True freshman. Sunday starter did really, really well against a UCSB team that has quite a bit of firepower in that offense right now too. Um, even without Aaron Parker in the lineup, Xander Darby, like I mentioned, three home runs over the weekend, Ivan Brethwar, mm-hmm. uh, granted he DH didn't look great, but he's capable of absolutely pounding the baseball. Um, there's another couple guys, Brandon Durfee did really, really good. 
Um, trying to think of another guy off the top of my head. Uh, not I'm trying to think. Not Aaron Parker. You can cut this out, by the way. Um, no, we're gonna keep it in here now. No, you're you're gonna be cutting this out. Is <laughs> what you're gonna be doing because my mind is is cement mixing right now. Um, oh, this is definitely staying in. <laughs> we'll add to the blooper reel at the end of the year. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's like that UCSB team has finally got the bats to be Omaha caliber and just like it's like I mentioned, Aaron Parker being out the last two games hurt them. Um, and then of course these bullpen implosions really did not help their cases either. Yeah, yeah, that was a good series. Um, so now we've gone through a couple of series, just have a couple other stories we want to get into. I mean, the first we have to talk about it. Sacramento State's Matt Miscaglian uh, Matt Miscangelo got hit eight times out of twelve at bats during this weekend. If, if we're going to leave my part in, I'm going to leave that part in, too. Yeah, I'm fine with leaving it in. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, I can't pronounce names. I, I admit that, and I own it. Oh, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so, a little backstory with myself. Uh, we won a championship in uh, Little League with me having the record for most hit-by-pitches in a year and in a game. I think I had four as the record. Um, yeah, he just... Huh? I said hat tip Tyler. Dude, I didn't have more than like two hits that year. And like <laughs> they had me out in the, an outfield because I was a good defender. I could pitch. Uh, couldn't hit the ball to save my life. They just were like, we'll send you out here. You're going to walk. You're going to get hit or you're going to strike out and we're just going to be fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he doubled up on me on the, uh, <laughs> the hit by pitches total in one you game. Had seven straight, right? And then got an eighth one. And then that was the that was it from there. Yeah, seven in one game. I'm like, I, I know he had to be sore after that game. I know he had to. Did not get a hit, I don't think, but he ended up with a 692 on base percentage to end the weekend. So, can't hate it. No, that, that's taking <laughs> one for the team and then some. I think after the first game, he was had like an 800 plus on base percentage. I mean, gotta love it. I, I just want people at home to understand. Imagine this hitting you. Seven times in one game, at, at least eighty high eighties plus. Yeah, depending on if it was a curveball or off. If, pick, if this was, if I was in that kid's shoes, I would be claiming workers' comp right now. Mm-hmm. That, that's, like that's how it's going to be. No ice bath is going to save me from the pain that's going to put me in. Yeah, no, terrible. Um, the other thing I want to talk about too is the awakening of two freshmen that really put their names on the board. You mentioned one already, AJ Gracia from Duke. Um, and then Drew Burris from Georgia Tech. Both those guys just absolutely went on a tear this weekend. Uh, what do you got on those guys? Yeah, Burris is obviously one of the highest ranked prep guys last year. Yeah. Um, comes in and immediately has three home runs to the opposite field. We knew he had a bunch of power coming in. I think the biggest question mark going into the draft was the hit tool. Yeah. Um, Still yet to, I mean, like, it's just one weekend. We're not going to try and over, like, overlook it or overhype it, per se. Um, but that was pretty impressive, I will yeah. say. I'll, I'll give him that much. And, it, it, like, I try and think of another another freshman, uh, not Gracia, but, like, James Elwinger is touching 100 at Dallas Baptist. Um, Trent Carraway did a really, really good job with Oregon State out in Arizona this week, too. I know he, he had at least, like, a triple, two homers. Um, 
Then of course Travis Bazan is in that lineup and he's finally hitting balls at the <laughs> at his eyeballs, you know. Yeah. Uh I don't know where you can pitch him anymore, to be quite honest with you. I, I think you just gotta start throwing it into the crowd and just hope and pray he doesn't have like <laughs> some robotic arm that tries to hit everything within fifty feet of the plate. Please don't hit this. Please don't hit that's what you basically do when you throw yeah. to Travis Bazano. And if you hear contact, you know you're screwed. <laughs> uh one guy I was gonna mention, you were talking about freshman. He he had a few walks today, but uh Kate Anderson made his debut for LSU, went four innings, three hits, one earned, uh six strikeouts, off speed stuff looked really good and the fastball was great. I mean, it was sitting probably in the kind of close to mid nineties, probably upper like 92 to 94, but he was touching 95 a few times. Uh, just really impressed to watch his start today. It was really good. Yeah. I had a, somebody text me. It's like, Hey, Kate Anderson's 94, 95 right now. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. No, that doesn't shock me at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be quite honest with you. Yeah. He was just, I, I mean, it was not a great team that he's fit in central Arkansas. Um, but it was pretty impressive for his first, start in that stage uh it's cool to watch yeah and not to mention lsu had what 27 runs and 27 hits uh yesterday against vmi like yeah that this lsu team is pretty good even if it's you know inferior opponents but yeah Jared jones went yard again shocker like (laughs) apparently that's all he does so well i mean he has 80 grade raw juice so i mean like that doesn't yeah not a big shocker (laughs) yeah but he's in a, yeah, he's had three home runs this weekend, seven RBI, no big deal. Yeah, you know, just Sorry a casual, casual weekend. What about Jake Brown hitting six hundred for the weekend. Converted pitcher, mm-hmm. Jake Brown. Have a day. Yeah, four and LSU, shocker. No one's shocked. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, we wanted to get into some live look breakdowns. That's something we really want to start doing uh, in the podcast. We Tyler's going to be out at stadiums. We're going to have other analysts from Prospects Live out at stadiums. I'll be going out to some games. So we want to just break down some footage for you um, as well. But before we break down some footage, we have to talk about the Burke Granger situation. I know you wanted to touch on this. Um, give people a little bit of background on kind of what happened there. Yeah, no, uh, I did say I would have choice words on this. Um, so, <laughs> Jared, I hope you have your popcorn ready. Um, I don't. Sorry. I got this. Okay, well. Okay, enjoy enjoy your non-alcoholic <laughs> beer while I, I rant here. Um, but for anyone that doesn't know, uh, Brett Granger is, does Midwest he does Midwest coverage for D1 baseball. Um, absolutely lovely dude. I I have had many great experiences with him. Um, really really fun to talk to. I he drove I think what like seven eight hours from Ohio to come and watch Wake Forest because he wanted to see all those arms. You yeah, know, Hartle, Burns, Massey, you know. And then all of a sudden, his own footage gets copyright copyrighted from a, I think Raycom. And for those that don't know, Raycom is a partner with I think the CW. CW and ACC has a agreement um, because the ACC does have games shown through them. Uh, shout out NC State for being 8-1 on CW uh, recordings, by the way. I'm going to put that out there right now. But yeah, choice words. It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> That's like the easiest way I can yeah. put this. We've already had our own issues with like trying to get credit for our own videos. Um like just a couple weeks ago, I called out uh, Rob Blank on Twitter because of the fact that he took Josh Norris's Chase Burns videos and not only manipulated it, but then didn't give credit at all in the thread. Um, it, it's and it's insane. I think I have an issue with it because, right? It 
if it was a copyright issue where it was like he was screenshotting it from the ACC network or whatever it was on and then posting it as like it was his own. That's that's a different story, right? Mm-hmm. But he's going to the stadium. He's taking the time to travel out there. He's allowed to film the games. Like there, there shouldn't be any reason why he should not be able to push and circulate his own footage that he went out and got. And he got better view, view vantage points and views that you would get than you would get on the ACC network. Then it's like if you're going to take his clips off, then do put a better product out for people. Yeah, no, and like I think this is really driven by the fact that he got a million views on Twitter and he had one of the best camera angles I've ever seen. Yeah, but that's generally what I think it is. Um, like I mentioned, he drove seven, eight hours from Ohio just to take this video, and then all of a sudden it's taken down because some guy decided to get egotistical in his fucking office space, essentially. <laughs> um, and and it, I watched just, those weight games. The camera yeah. footage was awful. It wasn't awful. great. But like I like I said, it's bullshit. Yeah. Because he busts his ass to go out there and get that film and just basically gets told it's not your video now, it's ours because mm-hmm. you know, so so and so. It's copyright misuse. He's already filed a counterclaim. I hope something good comes out of that. Because that makes me worried about when I go to wake in a couple weeks to get the taken down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like it's not like it's other ACC schools. It's just wake. Yeah, I that's the thing that really confuses me, because if there's if it was a full ACC thing and we had to get a license through them, okay, makes sense. Yeah, you know we we've had that issue with Prospect Life in the past, I do believe, with Kate videos and whatnot. Um, but like if we need a license to do that for the full ACC thing, okay, cool. You know, I'll happily do that. The fact that it's just specifically one team really grinds my gears. So, um, of course, like the number one team in the nation too. Yeah. Which is, it, and my thing is the video that Burke did film, like you mentioned, is some it's one of the best angles I've ever seen. Yeah, it's good, um, and it it really gives you an idea of what changes Wake Forest has made to Chase Burns' arsenal. Because mm-hmm. um, really, the one thing that I can recall was that Tennessee Chase Burns had more run to that fastball, and I don't want to say it was like a dead zone fastball by any. Any yeah. means, um, but it was like a 18 vert 11 horizontal fastball. Now it's straight up like cut ride, and there's no way anybody's touching this thing at all. <laughs> yeah. Like it might be an eight fastball. Um, and that in the angle he had showed it perfectly. Like mm-hmm. you could see the cut coming in from the first inning. And if you're a scout that can't get out to a game, like that footage is huge for you. If you yes. want to see that, that's I mean, that's the po- the whole point of why we do this. It's like we love it, but also we're it helps other teams and people who are trying to analyze these players. Having yep. that footage out there helps. The having the good angles where you could actually see where the strike zone is versus it being like low to the ground and then all of a sudden it looks like everything's a strike even though the camera angle is completely wrong. Yeah, and I think that's what people don't realize is how valuable this footage is. Yeah, um, my footage, Josh Norris's footage, Burke's footage. You know, the whole everybody yep. in this industry has value with what they put out on the internet. Um, it is a detriment to college baseball. You're not helping grow the game that, you know, deserves to be on a platform that it should be. Mm-hmm. And it's also a detriment to the people that go out and do this. You know, Burke has a separate job. I have a separate job. Josh, you know, he works for baseball America. He doesn't have anything else really going on, but like this is, this is all of us just going out there trying to do what we can to help teams, coaches, all that. Yeah. 
and now we're getting fucked over by some person in a, in a cubicle in Charlotte because <laughs> they couldn't get a better angle than what Burke did. Yeah. It, it's egregious. I think it's stupid. Um, I hope that counterclaim really does do wonders for what is to come, honestly. Because it wasn't Burke's video that got taken down. I think Griffin Lanfear, who works with, I think, 247 Sports and covers just about everything Wake Forest does, mm-hmm. had his own video taken down. And I'm sitting yeah. here, it's like, he covers the fucking team. That yep. doesn't make any sense. None at all. And then you're and then you're going after Pitching Ninja, who's sharing Burke's video, getting him the exposure he deserves. Yeah. And now that's being taken down too. And and Rob's doing a fantastic job covering the the college aspect of this now. Yeah, and he's bringing so much light to the game that wasn't there before. Yeah. Like what Rob was doing was exactly what baseball needs yeah. at the college level, and it's. Burke's doing the same thing. I'm doing the same thing. Griffin's doing the same thing. Everybody involved in this is doing something positive for the game of baseball. Yeah. To have somebody go in, just copyright claim something that's not theirs, it's egregious, it's bullshit, and there needs to be something done about it. Yeah. I, I think I wholeheartedly believe that D1 or like even Wake Forest should get involved with this um, and at least file a lawsuit. Yeah. Like it, it, it really pisses me off yeah. and, and burke was pretty upset about it i spoke with him as he should be yeah i texted him after he uh you know posted the first thing about it being taken down and he's driving home you know he felt helpless and i'm trying to do what i can to try and help him out um it's it's really really bad for the college game personally and i can go on for hours about this personally um Put me in the in the fucking courtroom with Burke and everyone else yeah. in a lawsuit. I could be. I, I'm the defense lawyer. Literally, all I have to do is just show you that this is positive for the fucking game. If you don't like it, take your shit, and move out. Yep. You shouldn't be. If you're going to be doing that, you shouldn't be covering or providing the coverage for the game. Yeah. At all. It, yeah. It's it's stupid. Yeah. And I on that note, Hopefully, no one takes our podcast down as we're going to have some live looks and video that you went out and got this weekend. So, if Raycom takes this shit down, I will happily drive down to Charlotte uh, and slap all of them across the face. Love it. Um, so, we want to, I think we're just going to do one potential live look breakdown. Uh, just spend a few minutes on this. I don't know how many you want to do. Um, I got the Tyler Bremer video uploaded. You want me to, to put it on my end? Um, yeah, go for it. Get it going for you. Uh, let's see here and if you are listening to the podcast go to the youtube channel because you can't see us do a live look breakdown on the podcast you can hear us but if you want to see the full thing make sure you check out the youtube channel prospects live uh you can get all the video and the film and the footage um that tyra worked so hard to get this weekend and then the breakdowns that are happening on this podcast as well so yep and even when we do um like the live looks pieces later on this week, the way that I'm kind of breaking it down is you get a, a screenshot of the report that I wrote out. The link to the video is embedded inside the article itself. And then you'll get like a draft grade underneath. Yeah. Um, so like for render example, this is exactly what you're going to see on, on the, the piece. Um, I'm not going to fully like show off what the report is. Um, but you see the Velo there, 93, 96, top down 97. Uh, this is really, really good stuff. Yeah. Um, the biggest knock on him last year was not holding Velo, and then the slider wasn't great. 
Um, now he he opened up, I think, just sitting 95 96. Um, he did get taken yard here. Lawson Harrell got a, I think it was a hanging slider and took it to dead central. But the slider looks a lot better. He's commanding it well. It's 82 to 86, good spin rates, has some late bite and sweep that really is good for getting chases. There's the home run, by the Ooh. way. Um, it, it was a launch pad this week at Bowie's Creek, too. That's that was the first one of two that he sent to dead center for what it's worth. Um, but like with Bremner, the slider wasn't great last year. He's added more bite to it. It looks better. He's commanding it well. He's landing it for strikes. Uh, the fastball, he's holding the velo, which is good. Uh, 93, 96. He touched 97 twice in the second inning. Oof. It's, nice it's got some. There. Yes. Good bite. Oh, yeah. Um, the big thing with the fastball is I would like to see a more consistent shape with it. Um, he does vary shape where he has a lot of run down at the knees and not a ton of vertical. So it's kind of like a, a two seam or a sinker. And then he'll elevate with like 20 inches of vertical and like 15 inches of run. It, it is really, really good at the top of the zone. Um, it, it, he'll mix in that slider and change it pretty often. Yeah. Uh, the changeup, I think is probably his best pitch. It is low eighties, high spin really, really tumbles and fades off of the, the fastball very well. And he's got confidence to throw it against righties. He throws it well against lefties, lands it for strikes. So you don't really see a guy throw strikes or change up much and land it consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing with him is improving the fastball shape and then also getting that arm on time. Um, there is an open side view in this video at the end where it does show you the mechanics from the open side. The arm is probably parallel with his shoulder when he when his foot plants at the bottom of the mountain there. Um, that does cause some timing issues, um, but you look at the delivery. It's effortless. It's athletic. It's say. It, it's, it is. He repeats itself. Like He doesn't really deviate from it, no matter what pitch is being thrown. Mm-hmm. He matches the iron speed on the changeup really well. It, there's a lot of like with this package. And yes, he walked four guys. Um, we mentioned it before. The tight strike zone really didn't help. There's a few pitches on the black that really should have been strikes. Um, yeah. And there's a couple of times where he got shafted on that front. But, you know, it's just how the how baseball goes. You're not going to have a consistent strike zone every single game. I wish that was the case. But, you know, say la vie. That's, that's just how it is. Um, and I don't mean to harp on, like, the reason why we get this footage. But, like, you can see the slider shape so well from this angle, right? You can't get that when you're <laughs> – no offense to Raycon or whatever the other companies are. But, like, the, the ability to see that shape and the bite to that pitch on film is the reason why we try to get these angles. Mm-hmm. No, and that's exactly it. Like, and, and the best part about this is there wasn't anybody knocking the camera over this year. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't mean the hark on Campbell fans. I love them. They are very, very hyped and they really love their baseball team. Uh, but there's a little railing in front of where this camera is, this location. That you can I see people on. walking by and kind of yeah. shaking it. <laughs> um, I'd rather have that than what they were doing before where they're knocking my camera around. Like it's a toy. Um, so like, yeah, I counted like 50 people walking by the camera in one game, but I don't have any, I don't have to like <laughs> put a first aid kit on my camera, which is yeah. Great. 
Um, but yeah, like Tyler Brim, this, this is a guy that's going to be a, a potential first rounder next year, I think. Um, if he keeps this up, he's holding the velo. The slider looks as impressive as it has been. I think he's got a legitimate case to be the best college arm in next year's class. Yeah. Um, and for all of you who want to get more of this film and footage, uh, be sure to go to the Prospects Live YouTube, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, Tyler's already got the Bremner clip lo- uploaded. Matt Ager from UC Santa Barbara has also uploaded his start. Derek Vertanian um, and Zach Sabres. And it's going to have some Xander Darby footage coming your way soon, too. And so when all our analysts go and get these live looks and spend that time at the stadium to put the scouting reports together, to get the footage that um, is really helpful to you all, they all go on that YouTube channel. They're all free to access for everybody. Um, so anytime you want to go see prospects and especially after your team drafts someone, um, if you want to go check out footage, uh, we're going to always going to have tons of different draft picks that you can go and take a look at. Yep, absolutely. And we have everything like divvied up in playlists too. So like Brenner's going to be a 2025. He's in the 2025 playlist. Uh, everyone else is in the 2024 playlist. And then we'll start working on a 2026 playlist at some point. Um, cause we, we have an idea of what the college guys are at least and we're starting to get a better idea of the prep class but i'm not i'm not fully into that yet yeah um i'd rather focus on 2024 right now and then get 2025 up soon and just see how everything else goes this year um and a little disclaimer too because obviously the Derek vartanian start wasn't the greatest he allowed 10 runs and two and two thirds uh just not the kind of start you would expect from a guy that was highly talented through the spring or not the spring but the fall but it's really all about showing off the stuff, yeah. essentially. Um, yes, it's a bad outing. He got lit up, but like you, I box score to, doesn't say everything, though, right? Yes, you know, yeah. yeah. Like, like I want to give, I, I want to give people an understanding of what the stuff looks like in game. Yeah. Um, and like even Vartanian, like he was ninety two, ninety five to start, and then got shafted by two errors from his infielders, gave up a home run on a hanging slider. Um, you can see all of that in the film. Um. Now the eighty nine ninety one he was in the second you won't obviously see the re- the velo readings, um, but he did dip a little bit into that second inning and it wasn't the greatest. Um, yeah, but like it's his first start just came in from JUCO. There's better starts ahead for him. But yeah, so we're gonna try to do more of these live look breakdowns um, on the podcast. Uh, we're gonna bring more analysts on who are going to are seeing live games across the U.S. Um, just to really give you an idea of like what we're seeing and what teams are seeing when they go look at these players. Um, so we think it's a cool segment that we want to keep doing. Uh, and so we'll try to keep doing it weekly. Sometimes it takes us a while to upload the video. So we'll, and if it takes us a long time to upload some of the video, we'll put it on future podcasts and things like that. Um, but we have to get in to the last segment before we turn it over to our interview because we have another incredible guest this week. Are you ready? during that process huh oh you're back all right yes so we are on the clock of course we're going to have a lot of questions related to week one um first question is what was the most impressive performance this week for a hitter for you um can i go xander darby yeah you can three home runs from a guy you really wouldn't expect to have the kind of power that he had this weekend um I think it was like 106, 101, and 104 off the bat for all three. Um, and they all went like 414, 440. Um, I was pretty impressed by that. I think he was the best bat in Bowie's Creek this weekend. And I think if there's anybody that's really going to come close 
um, or at least top that, like Travis Bazana out in Arizona had yeah, an insane weekend. Charlie, Charlie Condon, like, you know, the, the top guys that you expect this kind of stuff from. Darby kind of shocked me a little bit with how good he is. And I think uh, once we put our combined 200 out, he's going to be well represented up there in like the 70 to 90 range. Yeah, mine was Griff O'Farrell from Virginia. Um, hit 500 this weekend, hit two home runs, six RBI. Like, I watched a few of the Virginia games. It's impossible to get that guy out. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, like, he, he didn't have a – his first home run last year wasn't until, what, regional play? Yeah, yeah. And he's got two this weekend? If he's tapping Drug- into that power – Drug test him. <laughs> We're not throwing. We're not calling that out on the podcast. No, no, no it, it's a joke. It's a joke. But like, <laughs> hey, it, that's he, it, I, I. I think he's made a, a swing change personally. Yeah. It, it definitely looks a lot better than what it was, and he's going to tap into pretty good power at this point. If he continues this this year, I think he's going to be uh, at least a second rounder, maybe even back at first. Yeah. All right. Who's your pitcher? Ooh. Ooh, this is a good one. There was not a lot of good pitching this weekend. No. Admittedly. Uh, I think I'm going to have to get, do what I... I. This is a trend for me. Chase Burns. I knew you were going to go Chase Burns. Yeah. Six I innings. intentionally didn't go Chase Burns because I knew you were going to pick Chase Burns. You know me so well. Yeah. Um, Six innings, three hits, one walk, no runs, 10 strikeouts. Uh, Yeah. No, that, that was pretty good. Yeah. I went with Mississippi State pitcher Cal Steven. Yes. Purdue transfer, seven innings, three hits, one earned, 11 Ks, was basically sitting in the mid-90s, topped out at 97 with a fastball. Wasn't on my radar, like not a guy I even thought of. And then I saw Joe Doyle tweet about him, and I was like, oh, okay, this guy might be legit. Yeah, no, shout out Joe, by the way. Yeah. Um, love the guy. But like, yeah, Cal Stevens going to be on our board, I do believe. he, he If he continues, yeah. he's the pop-up guy this year i do believe so um it'll be interesting to see sec play if he's got the same uh same abilities i mean if you're sitting mid 90s with a fastball i gotta imagine if he does yep skyrocketing up the board yep (laughs) love it uh next question so which pitcher has the best chance to bounce back from the rough start this week you just talked about how a few guys had some really bad starts Hagan Smith, I think, is a guy that's going to bounce back. Uh, yeah, it, he really didn't look good in the one inning he got. I think he walked two, got hit around a little bit, gave up a home run on like the third batter of the game. Um, he's going to be facing a really tough Oregon State lineup with Bazana, Turley, mm-hmm. Caraway, Casper. Um, but I feel like if you get you get the bastard out of the way immediately. Success is to follow. Um, I mentioned Vartani. I think Hagen Smith's going to is due for a better weekend this this time out. Um, so I'm going to go with Hagen on this one. Yeah, I went with Thatcher Hurd. Um, he kind of got lit up this weekend. Two and two thirds, I think. Four earned, five hits, um, four strikeouts, only one walk. Uh, I got to imagine there's too the stuff's too good for him not to just come back and bounce back. Yeah, and the com- the command questions really were not answered by many of these guys at the top of the board this yeah. this weekend too. Uh, Brody Brecht walked six, even though he only allowed one hit and struck out eleven. Uh, obviously, Hagen didn't do well. I think really the only person that answered questions this weekend was Chase Burns. Yeah, um, and even some of the twenty twenty fives too did a really really good job as well. I think you should get some praise to that. That class looks really really good right now. Yeah. He- even though like Sam Horn, who was really valued highly, 
uh, coming into the year is not going to be pitching anytime soon. Yeah. Unfortunately. I will say 2025's Jack O'Connor did not pitch well this weekend. But Cam Leiter did. 13 Ks in five innings. Yeah, Sir, that is disgusting. Nasty. He looked really, really good. And Actually, I, I think he should have got more love for the most impressive pitcher this week. Dude, he's going to be the freaking dark horse for ACC pitcher of the year, I think. Just add all the lighters to a list. They just he, breed he, pitchers, apparently. He is the cousin of Jack. Yeah, that he is. Love it. Um, so what team made the most noise for you this weekend? Duke. Definitely yeah, Duke. Yeah, that was going to be my answer, too. Um, I mean, you go in the Coastal, you handle Indiana Coastal, and those are two really, really good yeah. teams. Indiana's got Omaha potential. Coastal, year in, year out, is one of the best teams in the country. Uh, going 3-0 and in dominating fashion, I Duke for me, personally. Yeah, It's not like you were LSU where you were playing, what, Virginia Military Institute and Central Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to them and their 4-0 record right now, but you're facing a completely different competition when you're Duke going against Indiana and that pitching staff plus Coastal Carolina. Mm-hmm. It's hard to not go against anybody else there. Uh, last question I got on the board. Who jumps ranks the most for you after week one? A team and a player. A team? Um, I would probably say like Campbell definitely jumps up the board yeah. the most for me. Um, having UCSB come in, thrash them game one, and they come back and win the next two. That's that's really impressive. And th- like we mentioned, this is a Campbell team that's retooled they they were out on the outside of the top 25 i think they should have been ranked this week um that's just my opinion on it. justin Hare is an incredible coach in terms of a player probably cal steven um this is a guy that really we mentioned already no idea who he was going into yeah. this and now all of a sudden he's bumping sevens striking out 11 across seven innings and looks really really good keep yeah. it up this year hi you're gonna be a top 100 pick <laughs> that, i could totally see that happening at this point yeah, I kind of went for a dark horse team that I not one I would think will jump into the top 25, but I think they're going to start getting some attention around them after this weekend. And it's Grand Canyon University went 3-0, beat Georgetown, beat USC, beat BYU, and they kind of beat USC pretty handedly, 8-1. Andy Stankiewicz um, did not do well in that against his old team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of cool to see a mid-major like that. Um play some big-name teams, and come out undefeated. Not to mention Jacob Wilson and Homer Bush last year. That's a very underrated program right now. I think Zach York is doing really, really well for the fact that he's basically someone that could be on the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line right now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then, of course, Daniel Avidia, really underrated fastball too. So I really like that team. I think that's a really, really good dark horse pick in my opinion. Um, and then for player, I didn't really – it was kind of hard to, to pick someone. I mean, I could easily go Xander Darby, right, um, mm-hmm. kind of get it overlooked a little bit. Uh, but I went with Peyton Tolley. I think he really performed well. On the mound, he gave up four in runs but still went three innings, struck out seven. And then he also did it with a bat going four for 13 with a home run, five RBIs and a double. Um, I just think he's a guy who's going to sneak his way up draft boards um, throughout the season. I think he's kind of a dark horse to be one of the top players just because of what he's able to do on both sides of the ball. Um, and just with TCU making him the Friday night guy and all those fun things. Uh, he's a guy, I think we have him at the back end of the top 100. Uh, I think he could be finding his way into the middle 
to to like the near top 25 at some point not to mention really good dude yep awesome dude uh, that basically does it for us. Uh, we have an incredible interview with the top 100 prep prospect Griffin Burkholder coming up right after this. Uh, as we mentioned, be sure to check out all the amazing content, all the draft team, everybody from the draft team is putting together um, for prospects live. Everybody's working really hard, driving out to games, like you said, going out there for hours, sitting through hours worth of game. I mean, we love being there. Don't get us wrong. But taking time out of their day when they work full-time jobs to really bring us, um, bring all of you, all of you, this amazing content. So be sure to check out everything they were doing. Um, Tyler, you got anything before we wrap up? Yeah, no, I, uh, you mentioned everybody driving out. I want to give a shout out to everybody on the team. They did an awesome job this weekend. Jake Bargery. Uh, he only got one game, uh, but he did a fantastic job with his video this weekend. He's a new guy. So I want to give him a shout out. And I, we had, a. Uh, not this past podcast, I think, but the podcast before that, uh, where I talked about the uh, the Stutter Group conference that we're going to be having on March 2nd here in Raleigh. Uh, I think I said Parkview Elementary School. I've actually got the correct name for, for the school now. <laughs> um, so if anybody's in the Raleigh area listening, it's Partnership Magnet Elementary School down in downtown Raleigh. Uh, 9.30 a.m. is when everything starts. I'll be there early to help out, get set Love up it. and everything. Um, I'm also going to be working with the kid group that we're going to be doing, uh, in the early morning. And then we're also going to have an adult panel that I'm part of later on in the day. Um, so if there's anybody that's interested, you know, contact me, I've got the link to get everything set up. It's $30 if you're an adult who stutters, or I think it's like for a family it's probably like, I think $55 or for the full family. So got any young kids in the area that want to, you know, get more confidence with, with stuttering, uh, feel free to come by, drop by. We're going to have a lot of fun with these guys. Um, and I'm really excited to be part of it. It's a fun activity. It's going to be a fun day. I really love doing this. And it it would be a disservice if I didn't bring it up. Um, there is what date is it again? March 2nd. All so, right. We'll make sure to put the links in the chat too. So everybody, if you're interested, you can just click the link below uh, and it'll get you there. Yep. And I'll, I'll tweet about it uh, either to Thursday or Friday, the day before um just to see if anybody else would like to join um but it, it would mean a lot if there's some people that do ask about it or at least like bring it up um I'm trying to think patrick ebert the guy that works for d1 was at Campbell this week and he asked about it uh that's cool that that was a good conversation with him i yeah. i really like patrick he does a fantastic job give him a follow as well um really really enjoyed the time with him this weekend with what he had um that's really all I got at this point. <laughs> Love it. Um, and just a reminder, we'll be coming at you weekly. So we will be doing weekend recaps, either um, Sunday nights or Monday nights and trying to drop the episodes by Tuesday or Wednesday to kind of go through things with you and some footage and all that fun stuff. So um, until next time, here's that interview with Griffin Burkholder. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All righty. We have another incredible interview here today with On the Clock by Prospects Live. We have Griffin Burkholder, outfielder at Freedom High School out of South Riding, Virginia. Uh, Griffin, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Good, good. We're excited to have you on and kind of share your journey. Um, first question we always ask, guys, just because a lot of people don't know who you are quite yet, but give a little bit of background on yourself, uh, how you've gone through your uh, journey in amateur baseball, um, and just some of the things you love to do outside the game as well. Yeah, so obviously my name is Griffin Burkholder. I'm a senior here at Freedom High School in South Riding, Virginia. So lived in the Northern Virginia area my whole life, never moved. So kind of used to this area, been in the same house my whole life. But yeah, going through amateur baseball, I played on more of a local organization from the time I was seven to 12U. Uh, it's called the Wild and South Eagles here in the area. And then went in 13U when we went up to the big field, went to more of a bigger organization in the area called Stars Baseball. Went to some of the national tournaments, but also played in some local stuff. And then in 16U, transferred over to Dirtbags, and that was an amazing choice for me, just continuing to face better and better competition every year and continue to better myself. And I was never super highly ranked nationally coming up, um, highly ranked in Virginia for a couple of years, but it was really this past year that kind of catapulted me up in those rankings. So it's been a blessing and been a great ride. And just excited to, to start this high school season here with a great team and hopefully make a run. Yeah, I was going to ask you that kind of as the next question. Um, when was that? When did it click for you that you're like, OK, I, I'm going to go play D1 baseball. I have a chance to get drafted to the MLB. Uh, when did that kind of all settle in for you? So with the committing to play in college, I committed pretty early. I committed back in my freshman year, kind of in the beginning part of that year. So I always knew that that was my my goal. I wanted to go play Division One baseball, and I was really going to do whatever it took to reach that goal. And the opportunity arose, and I took it with West Virginia. And they've been great to me before I committed, since I've been committed, staying in touch and everything. So they've been great. And, um, yeah, with being able to kind of realize that, hey, it might be a, a chance to get drafted here in this coming draft, um, it's been amazing. I really noticed that probably this past summer I went down. Like I said, I wasn't super highly ranked nationally, so it was, wasn't exactly on my radar too much. And then was blessed with an invite to go to East Coast Pro down in Alabama and performed really well down there against some of the top talent in the nation. And just being able to go down there and kind of prove myself was great. And from there on, it's it's kind of been crazy, but it's been a great ride and I'm just enjoying it. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so you mentioned that you committed to West Virginia. Uh, what went into that decision? Was it kind of talking with family or wanting to stay kind of close to home? Uh, what went into that decision for you? Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of things that went yeah. into that decision. And it was definitely, I mean, to this day, it's been an amazing decision. And can't say that there was any part of it that was wrong. So my mom's side of the family is from West Virginia. So That's they cool. still live in West Virginia. Um, so that was kind of one big factor is that I've been hanging out in West Virginia like pretty much once a year for however many years that I've been going up there. But yeah, so that's that's part of it, just the family tie to the state. And even though they don't live too close to Morgantown, I mean, if you live in West Virginia, you're usually a Mountaineer fan. So that was really cool when they started calling and I found out that that could be an opportunity. And then just the coaching staff and how amazing they are making the, the atmosphere around the team and that family atmosphere was really important to me. And then also just the fan base that West Virginia has. I mean, you have an entire state behind you. You have huge crowds 
even if it's a scrimmage game at the beginning of the year. So just having that support around you, having the great staff around you, coaches, players, and then also just making sure that also I want my family to be able to come watch me play. So that was also important. But yeah, having all those things kind of all stars aligned almost and decided to, to pull the trigger on that. That's awesome. Uh, Tyler, turn over to you. Yeah, I did want to ask, because you mentioned going to East Coast Pro. <laughs> um, you had also did the 2024-2025 event in Milwaukee, uh, well, I think in September or something. Um, and I remember watching the film, and you ran like a 6.29.60, looked really, really good in BP. That was my first taste of like you kind of jumping onto the mat there. Um, kind of talk about that event, because I know I had a guy that um, Smitty used to – or. He used to work for us, but he, he works with PBR now. Um, but from a player's standpoint, how was that event for you? That was a really cool event. Maybe the coolest event that I've been to. I mean, you show up that first day and they have everything set up with the player lounge and you're walking through a million different rooms, getting handed a bunch of gear. And you're never going to complain about that as a player. But yeah, prep baseball put on an amazing event going there and I mean, yeah, you walk in and you're handed a couple bags and you're looking through and you got all this cool gear, all American stuff and custom stuff. So that was really cool. And then being able to play in a big league stadium is is just really cool in general. It was my first time ever getting to play an actual game in a big league stadium. And so took us on kind of a tour of the stadium that first night and then had the workout day the next day, which is where probably all the film that you saw was from. And was able to perform really well at the workout and then go out and have fun the next day playing playing in a big league park against the top players from the 24 and 25 classes. It was a really fun event, met some great guys, learned a lot from guys, and still stay in touch with some of those teammates to this day. That's awesome. Was there any 2025 arm that gave you fits from that game, if, I, if you don't mind me asking? Like, who was the toughest guy you faced from that? Toughest guy I faced was definitely Josh Hammond, uh, right-handed committed to Wake Forest I'm pretty sure and I mean he was I got to face him after he had just struck out the two guys before me so he was kind of I guess you could say on fire going into my at bat had a lot of energy but it was a good fight was able to foul off some pitches and battle in that count but I mean yeah he's great energy great guy to compete against and it was a lot of fun but he ended up getting me at the end of the at bat was it his slider that got you it was yes sir <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, I, don't, he, I don't think I was the only one there. Definitely not. <laughs> I don't think you're ever going to be the only kid with the slider that he has, man. That thing is gnarly. <laughs> um, I did want to ask about the speed aspect because having a 6.2960 is really impressive. Um, do you do anything like sprint workouts or anything, um, or do you participate in track that kind of helps with that kind of speed? So I don't participate in track, but I train my speed a lot. Ever since my freshman year, really the first time I ran a 60, I was kind of like, oh, this is, this is something that I'm good at. Speed is kind of a big part of my game. So kind of took it from there and ran with it, which is ironic. But, um, yeah, I, I train my speed three times a week. So I'm, I'm running hill sprints. I'm doing sled work. I'm doing short sprints for those first couple steps. I'm doing longer tempo runs so that I can run longer distances, whether it's tracking a fly ball down in a game or running a 60 in an event like that. So, I focus a lot on my speed along with power and all of that in the weight room. But yeah, speed is definitely really important to me in my game and a point where I can kind of take an advantage over teams and over pitchers and kind of almost rattle a pitcher by 
them just knowing that I'm on base. So being able to take those little advantages is really important. Absolutely. Become the menace that you always want to be on the base. That's <laughs> my motto. So um, one more question, just because I was a track kid growing up. Um, I don't know if you've heard the name Naheem Himes before uh, plays running back for the Colts or played for the Colts and is now with the Bills now. Um, he was a track teammate of mine in high school. So he, he was definitely one of the fastest kids I've ever ran against. Um, do you think you'd have a chance against a, a natural NFL running back by chance? <laughs> Oh, I, I don't know. There, there's some fast running backs. I think maybe some of the power runners, maybe I could, I could probably beat out. But I mean, there are some de- definitely good athletes, power athletes, and so I, I'd like to have that race. I think that would be really fun competing against some of those guys. Where I mean, running is their job, so it'd be it'd be kind of fun, but definitely a competition. Definitely, Jared. You got any other questions? Yeah, I was going to kind of build off a. Of, um, you- the you training on the running side of things, but um, as you kind of look forward to this 2024 season, uh, what aspects are you game of your game that are you really trying to improve on? And what are some of your goals for this year? So goals this year, I mean, the ultimate goal is winning a state championship, you know, yeah. to celebrate that last game after my high school career ends, just being able to leave on that note, winning a state championship two years ago and kind of my first year fully on varsity. And then, um, losing the state semifinals last year so gotten a lot of taste of that environment and once you get there it's all right it's you're only successful if you make it there again so that's really the main goal is just to to be a leader on the team to to motivate everybody and just go to war with my guys every day so that's the main goal as a team but um for myself personally as i move into this year just as i continue to face great pitching and better pitching every single year just continuing to develop that approach, continuing to to take better at bats every single day and continue to learn more about my swing, make the little tweaks here and there, no no two big differences that I'm trying to make in my swing right now, but just go out there and, and compete really well, have some great at bats and continue to, to learn more about my game every day. I love it. Uh, the last question I always ask guys, um, so to get your mind off of baseball, what are some of the things you love to do uh, outside the game? So I hang out with my friends a lot right now. I made the decision to be in friends with a lot of people from the class above me. So all my friends seem to be off at college right now. <laughs> and the, the baseball guys that I hang out with all the time. But so I, I call them a ton. I, I hang out with them. I play some video games with them. Not the best video game player at all. But I mean, it's a it's a lot of fun, even when you're losing, when you're with your your friends, talking about life, talking about school, whatever that might be going on. So that's one thing just I mean weightlifting that's something that I really enjoy helps me out on the field but also just being able to kind of unwind after a day going there and not to worry about any externals whether it's school whether it's whatever you might have to do that day homework wise so being able to go in there and just push myself and get after it is is stuff that I love to do and luckily it's something that helps my game as well so getting multiple good things out of it amazing i love it uh griffin we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us on on the clock uh, we're looking forward to your season upcoming and wishing you nothing but the best thank you so much thank you guys for having me